if you think of Alaska, they knew way back, this is how we make our money. This is what's important. We better take care of the ocean. We better take care of this. And if we let people come in and overfish it, we're, you know, we've got nothing. Hi, I'm Maria, otherwise known as the Fit Foodie. I'm a chef, holistic nutritionist, author, inventor, and mom. And I want to welcome you to my podcast. It's called Recipes for Your Best Life. And with every episode, I'm peeling back the onion on fitness, nutrition, health, wellness, and family. The truth is, you're the chef of your life. And for every important pillar, there's a great recipe worth sharing. So every week, we'll explore them together. Think of it as food for thought that you can really sink your teeth into. So join me and let's squeeze the joy out of this life because you only get one. Can I get a fork? Yeah. Sina knows seafood. I mean, her grandfather immigrated to the U.S. from Norway with his brothers and became a commercial fisherman in 1938. And they've passed on that art throughout their family until now. Today's guest is Sina Wheeler. She is the founder of Sina Sea Seafood. Say that 10 times fast. And her and her husband, Rich, have had the privilege of growing this company that is based in Washington, where they fish in the pristine, cold, cold waters of Alaska and partner with other fishermen to really honor seafood and honor the tradition that her grandfather brought here from Norway. And what I really, really enjoyed from our conversation, which by the way, Sina also has her master's degree in nutrition and food science. So she knows a lot about the nutrition behind it, but she really helps to explain why fishing on a line, how they do it, how they handle the seafood from the time they catch it until the time it arrives at your doorstep, frozen and beautifully packaged, and just what it means to be dedicated to high quality standards and a commitment to sustainability. I really hope you enjoy this episode. I personally love learning the story about how people do it. And I think when you can connect to the story and connect to the people behind your food, boy, does it bring it all to life in a fantastic way. And I have to say, Sina Seafood is sensational. All right, let's listen in. Sina, it's great to have you on. I'm so glad to be here. I know, I love it. Well, I have to tell you, I was so excited to find out a female entrepreneur had a seafood company. This is awesome. So <laughs> how did you get started in, in the seafood industry? Um, I think I was born into it, really. <laughs> um, my grandfather was a fisherman immigrated from Norway. And as every brother immigrated in the 1930s, they would um, kind of, he had 13 siblings, so there was quite a few, about half of them immigrated over into um, to Ballard, which is a hotbed of Norwegian immigration in the Seattle area. So as a brother would come, they would get a boat and get them hooked up with a boat and get going. So that's you know, his brothers did it. My great uncles did it. My, you know, everybody was fishing when I grew up. Um, and then my 
my it, it's on my mom's side so this is the part that people are surprised my it's my my mom and then my dad was a son-in-law he got brought into fishing after graduating college and learned to love it learned to love it <laughs> <laughs> the awesome and, <laughs> and he got, got kind of brought under the wing and into the fishing boat they kind of moved him around and got him on the right boat and that kind of a thing so he fished his whole life and was a career fisherman and then um when i met my husband and we got married he ended up basically doing the same thing and getting brought in you know to the fishing operation so when we first wrote the, our website jumping forward to direct selling our own fish. Uh, you know, we've done this for, for, we've been fishing for a lifetime, you know, three generations. But when we started fishing our own fish and I wrote up, the first thing I wrote up was our, you know, story. And I gave it to our um, website developer and they, um, they, I guess, thought that I wrote it wrong and they changed all the pronouns that to my husband's family. <laughs> Isn't that <laughs> something? Thought, How funny. That no, it's so funny that that is how we think about it. But the truth is, you kind of caught each other. Right. <laughs> Hook, line, and sinker, pun intended. Um, well, I think it's awesome. And I think it's a beautiful family lineage and something that probably a lot of our uh heritage can be traced back to is really, you know, the hunters and gatherers. Right. So in terms of really developing sort of your approach to um, how you wanted to offer seafood to people, like what was your mindset? Because seeing as seafood is different than what you would find maybe in other subscription boxes and how you guys approach things is very different. Can you share a little bit about how you decided to shape the company the way you did? Yeah, I think it goes way back. Um, when I was in school, I have a degree in nutrition. Well, my dad was a fisherman. My my mom owned a health food store. So it was very much fish and nutrition are hand in hand. Mm -hmm. And so when I went to college, I got a degree in nutrition and food science. And that just felt so right to me. It was like, I still tell anybody, everybody should take nutrition classes in college or anytime they can, because we all eat <laughs> it's very valuable. Information. Part, of, part of the owner's manual that never really like came with us when we were born. Right. Exactly. So I loved it. And then I ended up going in, I'm a science type person. So I ended up going into food science and I got my master's degree in food science. And at that time, you know, I needed to get into a program and this and that, and there was a fisheries program. And so for me, it was just one of those things that was such a no brainer to um, get into the fisheries program. So my master's degree is on fish and I was quantifying omega threes and studying onboard handling techniques of West Coast albacore tuna through Oregon State. So again, I didn't at that time, I didn't think, oh, I'm going to do a career based on this. I just felt like yeah, this is my kind of thing. Um, I can go on the boats. I'd been on my dad's boat. I've been fishing in Alaska. I could put my boots on and go on the boat and, you know, talk to the fishermen, get the fish. And so um, I think it's really through that full understanding. And really, I did a lot of correlation on how the fish is cared for on board and then correlating that to sensory characteristics well, then how does it taste and how does it eat? Mm -hmm. And so really having that ingrained 
um, you know, it matters. Those those moments when you catch it and how you care for it and how you quickly you cool the fish really matters. Well, at the same time, my husband was breaking into the fishing industry, so he can't help it either. I've been telling him this stuff for 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and he's eating it right alongside and and we're smoking fish and eating it all the time as I'm studying. So it really was it's kind of the the culture that we have always fished in is this um, real awareness that we are caring for this product and that when it comes to fish, I think nobody could argue that the one and only you know measure is the quality measure, just the how's it cared for, how's the taste, how's the um, texture and you're starting with perfection and you just want to keep it as close to that when a fish comes out of the water the time temperature it just starts ticking the sooner you can um, cool that fish down so we use refrigerated seawater the sooner you can get that temperature down you're saving hours and days down the road for the customer mm. on the quality yeah so, well, and I think the integrity that you talk about is really what we experience when, you know, people buy produce or they buy any agricultural product that's been raised, that's been developed and, you know, in any meat product, you know, we talk about cage free and we talk about free range and we talk about um, grass fed and finished and we talk about, you know, all of these terms that apply to land animals mm -hmm. and plants. But I feel like there's still a lot of confusion around seafood and, you know, a lot of terms are being thrown out. So I would love your thoughts. I mean, why is wild caught something that we need to pay attention to? And why is it different from farm raised? Yeah, I have pretty strong opinions, but I'd love to know <laughs> yours. Oh, well, I'd love to hear yours as well. Um, but I think that uh, for some reason, and I don't know why, but the fish is confusing. So if people out there, if you get confused about fish, it's totally natural and normal. I think it's because they come, it's, it's so, you know, fish are coming from all over the world and different places and different oceans and different, you know, can be farmed. And so really I get asked a lot, like what, what terms matter and what should I be looking for? And so, um, I say, you know, a wild. Wild is your first thing to look for and ask for. And these days, it will say wild if it's wild. I look, you it's know. It's required to be. Yeah. And they will put it, even in a restaurant, they'll put wild if it's wild because it's more expensive and they want you to know that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I watch everywhere I go, I'm looking at the fish and I'm seeing how it's labeled and what, what terms are being utilized. Um, so I would say, number one, look for wild. You want it to be wild because you're going to have better flavor, better texture, better nutritionals. And, you know, I do believe also it's better for the environment. And that brings me to the second point is sustainable. And a sustainable is another one of those words that can be um, very broad and mean mm -hmm. very different things to different people. And in the fishing industry, it means one thing it's tightly regulated and the fishery is managed for sustainability and what that means is um, we're not catching into the core stock to so that restocks are aren't reduced every year so in the united states there's very strict regulations and they're looking real-time data at these species so the different species are managed differently in different waters mm -hmm. so in alaska um Another great thing to look for is Alaska because Alaska has been 
sustaining for, uh, sorry, managing for sustainability way before everybody else got on board. They're really, if you think of Alaska, they knew way back, this is how we make our money. This is what's important. We better take care of the ocean. We better take yeah. care of this. And if we let people come in and overfish it, we're, you know, we've got nothing. Yeah. So, so way back, uh, Alaska is in their state constitution, actually, their, their sustainable management. And so um, if you, like I said, each species is managed differently. So halibut, black cod, um, salmon. For the salmon, they have um, monitors, so they're counting fish. So before, like Copper River salmon is a really big deal. It's going to open in mid-May. People mm. ask when. We don't have the dates because we don't set a date and just open. We the fish set the date. Yeah, so, <laughs> it's when the salmon run. <laughs> right, when they run, and that's we wait for them. Yeah. And not only do we wait for them to run, but we wait until target es escapement numbers are reached, and so that means that they have these target numbers of, of fish that are swimming by upriver to spawn. And if those, those once those numbers are met, then they open up these limited 12 hour openings. When the, when the, those, you know, there's targets for like every day, they're still counting. We fish usually in May and June, uh, twice a week if things are going well and then they might open it from 12 hours to 24 if the numbers are really going well if not the fishing isn't going to open but the fish are still spawning yeah so it's really if you think of a bucket we're going to take the overflow for commercial fishing but we're not going to reach into the bucket <laughs> those yeah. Yeah. The base amount really does need to go back spawn for another year. Yeah. The life cycle on the salmon are four to five years. And so there's, you know, very carefully managed for that. And that's really critical. We're in the, you know, we're, we fish out of Cordova. It's a very small town. It's a fishing town. Every single person, every single business is connected to fishing. We've had instances where we've had customers or large customers asking, you know, the Copper River's closed and well, we need that fish, you know, any way you can. And it's like, there's absolutely no way. There's yeah. not a Copper River fish to be had. And there is not a single person that will go out and get that fish. Yeah. So there's the respect for respect for the, the craft of fishing. And I do call it a craft because it's not like you can just go out there and know what to do. This is, a, you know, literally a generational thing of people that grow up in the industry. And um, I think there's probably a lot of unspoken, you know, rules of conduct, how it's done, how it's done respectfully, sustainably, and everything that you just mentioned. Um, so do you have like a fleet of fishermen that fish on your behalf? Or how does this whole process work? I know it's in your family, but do you have specific boats that go out? Like talk us through a little yeah. bit of how, what does it look like between May and June? Right. And that's, you know, everybody does this part a little bit differently. So for, for the last several generations, we just fished and sold our fish to a processor. And that's what 90% of fishermen do. They bring it to the dock and they sell it to a processor. And that would be a large scale operation. And they don't know what happens to the fish after that. Mm -hmm. um, so what we do when we started Sea, which was about um, seven years ago, 
we were really looking at the grass-fed beef industry, honestly, and we were, we were going, well, you know, look at these ranchers and farmers that are able to talk about their practices because they know they're doing it right and they can really sell their own, you know, beef and things like that. So we really wanted to take that approach and say, okay, we know we're catching our fish with the highest quality standards. And if you'd like to know where your fish came from, how it was handled, where it was caught, we can offer that, you know, to people that are interested. And what we found that was that a lot of people are very interested. People want to have that connection. They want to know that they're making the right choice. They want to, you know, support the right thing. And people really, really have their hearts and minds in the right place is what we found. And there's plenty of people out there that, that really care. And so, and they're not getting that from the regular fishing industry. There's just that connection has been lost. So we started selling just our own fish. And then throughout a couple years into that, and during that, we were having our fish processed at this small little local fish processing place. And we were giving them our fish and they're cutting it and giving it back through that they ended up going up for sale and they came to us even though we're just little and just ourselves and said, Hey, would you guys like to buy this? Because if you don't, we're afraid that the big guys are going to buy it. And they're really afraid of monopolies in these small towns. So we kind of represent the little guys. Hmm. We got together a group of fishermen. And um, so we're fishermen owned and we bought it. And so it's a place where we, we can bring our fish so we can cut our own fish and now we have a group a small group of quality fishermen that we know from the community we know they have quality handling and we cut their fish and we have several people that might direct market like we do and we have um so now we have branched out to several fishermen that we use and that's why you see like on our website shrimp and crab those are fishermen that we know we know what boat they're going on and they're catching really locally and we're bringing it into our facility and processing ourselves on a small scale. So it's been a really, um, it's been a really interesting journey, but for us to be able to catch it, cut it, ship it <laughs> to your door, yeah. it's really, you know, it's very unique because other fishermen aren't also running, um, the processing side of things. No, I mean, honestly, what you guys do is so unique and just being able to really monitor the process from the time that it's, you know, from the time it's caught to the time that it ends up on my doorstep. And I was lucky enough to get a shipment from you, which I am so, I was so grateful for. And the way that the fish arrived, it was just perfection. It was frozen. It was, you know, packaged beautifully. Um, So I know supply chain can be very difficult. That's a big added step that you have taken on. And I just really want to recognize you guys for that because that's not an easy thing. And I know that because I manufacture a lot of a line of products and I know how challenging it is, but it's a whole nother level of challenge when it's something that is a commodity that's uh, highly, highly perishable, you know. Is it worth it to you to take that extra step to go, you know, to say, okay, I'm, I'm not going to only process it, but I'm going to be responsible for making sure it arrives in the condition that I want it to? Yeah. And for us, it, I mean, truly, that's where the kind of the satisfaction comes from, you know, to give it 
to have it go all the way through. And then we're packing the box and I like to put the fish in the box really nicely, you know, and when we close the box, I have a small team. Everybody wants to be the closer because it's like, <laughs> that is <laughs> I know I want to close the box. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I love it. Well, I can just, you know, uh, yeah. I'll be honest, Cena. There's a part of me that wants so badly to go on one of those fishing boats. In fact, I had an invitation by some very gracious people in Spokane. They were going to take me out and I'm, I just get so seasick. <laughs> I'm like, it is a, a total ambition of mine, but I don't know what I would, do you get seasick? You know, this, I, this is embarrassing. I don't, I try not to say this, but <laughs> my family, this is the fishing family, and I get more seasick than Rich, my husband, who <laughs> joined in here, and he yeah. gets zero sickness. Hmm. It's just like, you know, I don't know. Do you it's wear just, one of those wristbands? What do you do? So you can no, like. For me, it's like. The first 24 hours, I don't get horrible, but the first 24 hours, like, yeah. and then if I can just get over the hump, then I'm fine the rest of the time. Yeah. So just, I mean, has there ever been a situation like the perfect storm? Like, did you see that movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has anything like that ever happened to one of your fishermen? Have you ever wondered, is rinsing my produce with the water that comes out of the sink that I don't even drink enough to really clean it? Well, then you're one of the smartest people I know because you're absolutely right. It's not enough. That's why we created the only all-natural and patented line of food wash and wipes, and it's called Eat Cleaner. It's tasteless, odorless, and lab-tested, and it removes up to 99.9% .9 of the residue that water can't, including pesticides, wax, soil, and junk that can carry bacteria that can really make you sick. Plus, we formulated it to help extend the shelf life of your fresh produce too, and that'll save you money. When your berries are lasting up to 10, 12 days, you know that's a good thing. It helps your produce last up to five times longer using a natural blend of fruit acids and antioxidants. So there's no chemicals, it's just clean eating fun. And this can help save your family an average of over $500 per year. Make it easy on yourself, reduce waste, and get that fruit and veggies into your body where it's gonna do you a lot of good and not in the trash. Check us out, eatcleaner.com or head to our Amazon store at amazon.com forward slash eatcleaner. They deal with not the perfect storm like that wave I saw. It was like, wow, that's some CGI on that film. Yeah. But <laughs> they deal with that type of scenario. Wow. And it's like being a mountain climber where you have to know all the things that are happening. So you have to keep an eye on the weather and the tides, everything. So uh, when Rich fishes for salmon, he's on a small 32 foot boat and they fish the Delta. So they're fishing where the ocean meets the river and it's, the Delta is the size of Rhode Island. I mean, it's like islands oh, wow. and beaches. It's not like some people imagine a river and they imagine nets across the river. No, it's not like that. It's this really rough Alaskan territory where it's like mountains, glaciers, glaciers yeah, 
shorelines and there's spots where um, and then you have the ocean coming up to that so you, you'll have an ocean swell and so a lot of times they fish they lay the nets off the beach so they're in the ocean swell up to the beach and then zooming out backwards while they set the net and stuff so the situations can be a little bit strange and then you come, yeah you come in and then it's called the stick channel you know depending on the tides you can get through certain areas on a certain tide and then you would get stuck on another tide so mm -hmm. you go through and you see these boats and they're stuck and it's like well they'll be there for eight hours and they'll just wait for the tide <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, I, we need to give more props to our fishermen. That is one heck of a job and very, very demanding and challenging. And they work so hard and under so many conditions. And so kiss a fisherman if you have the chance. I know you get to do that every day. Um, but let's talk a little bit about nutrition, because here's what I wanted to say about the nutrition aspect and, and then we can talk about the culinary aspect because it's, it's a different animal. Yeah. When it comes to farm-raised activity, you know, we know that um, they are feeding the fish something. I don't know. I've heard all kinds of things about what they're feeding them. In some cases, they're feeding them these pellets that have all kinds of toxic substances in them. And what that ends up doing is it produces not a, not a balance of omegas, but an inflammatory omega profile. Can you talk a little bit about how that is different since that was, I, I, and I could geek out with you all day, but like, since that was actually part of your formal study, would love to understand about the actual nutrition profile that you understand between wild caught and, and farm raised. Yeah, when you think of farm raised and and like you, I have read and have suspicions about what they feed them and don't know uh, because I don't <laughs> I don't do it. But um, everything they feed them is bought and you know given to the the fish. I you know it sometimes I've heard it could come from other fish and things like that. And so they have to feed them those omega threes. And so if you think about it, it's just that's an expensive process and kind of a really, um, you know, some negative process really when you're having in the same with the color, they have to feed them um, maybe dye or maybe dyed. you know, I don't know exactly, you know, yeah. it's hard for them to get the color. They're not dyeing the fish, but they're feeding. They're adding color to the color. Fish pellets in order to make them look like what they're supposed to look like in nature, that bright, like with salmon, it should be that ruby red. And I will tell you, I was in the store, my, I swear, my son was like three years old and he's like, mommy, why is that fish different color than that salmon? And it was, it was like one was ruby red and the other one was that faint, faint pink. And that's right. the difference, right. the food that they're eating. They can't even get close to the red. When you're talking about wild Alaskan sockeye, the color, well, you saw, you know, you, it is bright red. And when you, you know, our Copper River sockeye is an unbelievable color. And in nutrition, food is, I mean, color is healthy. So. Yeah getting that color naturally means something yeah it means something it doesn't mean die <laughs> so I think it's one of those you know and then you have the fish that are getting the actual they have the right balance of omega-3s so you know you have the ALA uh, EPA DHA 
The ALA is the omega-3s that are from nuts and seeds and off land, and we can actually make that ourselves. But the EPA and DHA, we cannot make ourselves. Mm -hmm. So that's one of those things. Sometimes people, sometimes they are allowed to kind of lump in all that and call it omega-3s, but really it's the DHA and the EPA that we really need, and that comes from fatty fish. And so the fatty fish out in the wild are, are getting coming by it honestly. <laughs> yeah, and we need that for brain tissue, we need that for heart function, we need that um, for so many different things. And I think, you know, I when you look at um, a lack of those vital nutrients, it results in a lot of really devastating conditions, uh, early Alzheimer's and dementia and um, heart you know, blood risks and things like that. So it, it's very, very vital that we get that from our food. And so having a, a salmon filet that's been farm raised versus one that's been wild caught, I mean, every single time I would say, get the wild caught, it's worth the extra couple bucks. Like what's the extra couple bucks in the grand scheme of things? You're going to go spend five bucks on a Starbucks anyways. So put it into the salmon. Absolutely. And then you also get the benefit that it actually tastes better. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about that because again, I think from a culinary point of view, you know, the, the color speaks to you and we do eat with our eyes first. So it's so much more appealing, but the flavor is just so much more robust. Mm -hmm. How would you describe, and even the nuances between the different types of salmon are so different. Can you talk a little bit about the types of uh, salmon you offer and what the nuances and flavor are? Yeah, really, I agree. To, to me, they're, you know, we're talking about wild Alaskan salmon, so there's those tiers. Now we're going to get into the differences in species. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's probably one another thing factor that makes it complicated for people. But think of it as wine. It's fun to taste the different species and flavors and just they have a slightly different flavor profile so if you like white wine great that's like liking Alaskan salmon now you can get into the kind of the nuances and the species so when you're talking about salmon there there's a there's a definite hierarchy and it's really based on the fat content so the higher fat it's kind of like beef is yeah. similar to that where yeah. it's wagyu know, versus right. kobe right. versus right, right. Uh -huh. it's all about the fat content and in fish of course the fat is omega-3s it's unsaturated it makes it taste good and it makes it healthy for you so it's a real win-win when you get into the fish and the fat content so you have in terms of salmon you're you have king at the top because it's called king so that's easy to remember for king and it's at the top it's a big fish and it has the biggest the highest omega-3s and then you add on top so that see this see now i know why it's complicated for people then there's the river it it runs to so it's caught in a certain river it's it's spawning back to that river that was the river it was born in so copper river salmon people hear about it they wonder what's the big deal well it's a really cold really long really rough river so these fish that were born in this river they're going to come back to this river they put on extra fat so they have extra omega-3 so anything coming out of the copper river mm -hmm. that species is just going to have higher omega-3s than any other species so you can have 
wild Alaskan king salmon. When you have king salmon, Copper River king, boom, it bumps up in the omega-3. So for what we catch, we do, we do Copper River. So we have Copper River king is just your ultimate. If you ever have a chance to try it, then get it. It doesn't matter, you know, off the opener, the prices are whatever you can ask because there is more people than fish, you know, the, the, yeah, more the people than <laughs> and it's exciting and it's truly, truly fantastic. So if you have a chance, if you see it, I tell people, you know, they go, what should I get? And it's like, if you can get King, get it, always yeah. get King. We eat King like once a year when it comes, you know, fishermen will eat their finest King off that first opener and, and that's it. They're going to sell the rest because it's too valuable. valuable. Yeah. <laughs> so is, that like the, is that like the cobbler situation? Like you, you give the best away and you don't have enough for yourself. <laughs> yeah. We had one year that Rich says, I didn't get any King this year. I said, geez, Rich, I had one. <laughs> but what they do have a tradition when they come back after the first opener, uh, the fishermen, it's kind of a, a point of pride. They'll keep a, a king or kind of the, it's it's like they'll keep the most valuable that they can afford to keep. And they'll cook it up on the boat, invite their friends. Opener uh, treasure kind of. Yeah, they keep. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But um, so you have the Copper River King. Absolutely try it. A lot of people, it's the kind of fish that you remember when you've had it is that good. And then and you have the just add about the the fat content. It yields the most moist, buttery salmon. Like I'm drooling right now thinking about it. Like the most buttery salmon that you barely need anything. I mean, oh. you literally you cook it for maybe two minutes on each side, depending on how you like, but don't overcook it. And you add a little bit of citrus to it. Maybe if you like a little bit of fresh dill or, you know, a little, a little seasoning, but like eat it in its most natural state, just to understand how good this fish is. Absolutely. And it's like, the, the higher quality of the fish, I know people, we have a free cookbook because I know people, they get nervous that I'm spending a lot for this fish and what if I ruin it? And it's, and it's the higher the quality, the more you won't ruin it. It is fantastic. You could just, like you say, throw it on the grill, flip it and call it good. It is so good. My dad came over uh, just last year, uh, right during the Copper River opener, he was helping, you know, my parents were helping with the kids and my husband's fishing and we're getting the fish out. It's a pretty busy time for us. And so um, I brought home, you know, some prized portions of the Copper River King. And I go, oh, how are we going to cook it? What are we going to do? He says, nothing. You, we are going to do nothing. I won't let you put anything on this. So we're going to put it on the grill as is. And I'm like, oh, I just, you know, I just want to squeeze a little lemon on it. You know, no. And I'm telling you, it was fantastic. <laughs> And very little cooking time, right? I mean, right. right. That, right. I think that's the fall. But that's the thing that people really like mess up on when they're they're like, oh, the salmon was really dry. Well, you overcooked it. You cooked yeah, it way absolutely. too long, you know. And it's okay to get like if you want a little crisp, a little sear, but then don't let it sit there yeah. for ten minutes, you know. And people get nervous, and um, that is one important thing. Um, so our fish, we do fresh Copper River King and sake 
the first two weeks of the season in the end of May is because it's a huge deal. It's so popular. We don't have time to freeze it. It's so valuable. It's so incredible. So we do that for two weeks. But everything else that we sell is frozen vacuum seal is wrapped in parchment so it doesn't touch plastic it's vacuum sealed and we freeze it in our facility uh, at the guidelines fda guidelines to be sushi quality so you could eat it raw and Ooh. so that kills any pathogens so people have a fear about pathogens or seafood and and they have this conception that the fresher the better but really you shouldn't eat fresh seafood raw all sushi is frozen so what we sell is frozen is all sushi quality and then you have this peace of mind that it's perfect to sear the outside and if your inside is a little bit raw it's totally fine and you're you are going to err on the side of moist and delicious and not over that clarification because i think oftentimes people don't know that so you know even i always tell people even if you buy fresh like sushi grade fish, I still say freeze it again. Mm-hmm. I don't know how what you think about that, but I would like if I buy it at a market and it's already slacked out, I freeze it again just to make sure. It's like my peace of mind if I'm yeah. gonna if I'm not gonna cook it. If you're not gonna cook it, you want to know it was frozen and you want to know that it was frozen at the proper time and temperature. So I would say this I would buy it frozen, honestly, because buying fish that's fresh, the clock has been ticking. And by the time you see it in the store at the fish counter, it could be five days old. And then you're, you're, when you freeze it, you're locking in that freshness. If it's done properly at a facility, when it was caught, you could be locking in day of freshness. Plus there's a whole time temperature scale. So the freezer in your house might not be strong enough to freeze for the proper length of time unless you want to leave it in there a long time. A commercial freezer like what we use is going to freeze it faster and better and therefore get it down to proper temps and then held at the proper temps. So it is one of these, another one of these big misnomers for fish when they think, when people think sushi quality, they think fresh and sushi quality has to be properly frozen so that is something that here's how we operate all that is they just get your cena c packages (laughs) and then they don't even have to think about it right i i try to shortcut that on some of my emails and say listen just trust us we've done all this research (laughs) (laughs) so you've got we've talked about king we've talked about copper river we've you mentioned sockeye. Can we talk a little bit about sockeye? Right. So under King is the sockeye on fat content. Copper River sockeye is excellent. It's what we eat primarily at our house. It has the omega-3s, the big, bold flavor, the gorgeous red color. And that is known for its red color that it holds even after cooking. Mm-hmm. And under that, you have the Copper River coho. The coho is fall fish. So king and sake we catch in the spring. Coho is a fall fish. It is lighter on the color. It's a big fish, but it's one step down on the omega-3s, a little bit lighter on the color. It's milder too. Milder in flavor, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really, I think, you know, nature is incredible, but in the spring we want to throw in the barbecue and with this bold flavor is perfect. And then in the fall with the coho, I like it with recipes and, you know, it's really great in a sauce and things like that. It's, it's, it's uh, sometimes described as more buttery and mild people that are accustomed to um, Atlantic 
um, salmon or farm salmon that pale or color milder flavor, sometimes they prefer to start with coho because the, the flavor profile is more of a match. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then you have such a variety of different types of fish. I'm just looking at your website right now, halibut. Okay, one of my favorites. And I had the chance to visit Alaska many years ago. But I just remember eating the halibut and going, I have never had fish like this in my entire life. Like I it literally felt like it came and it probably did. Of course it did. You know, <laughs> that day, but like I had dove in and caught the fish and was eating it. I mean, it, it just was an incredible experience. Um, halibut and halibut cheeks and halibut chop, like tell me a little bit about how you offer these different types of products that I've quite frankly never seen that kind of variety, um, how it lends itself to your environmental and sustainability message. Well, what we do is we really, we're not trying to be a big guy of the big guys, the big processors. It's all about how many pounds they can get through the plant, how quickly they can chop the heads off and everything goes out the door. And, you know, a little bit of waste to them is nothing because it just means fast, fast, fast. And that's, you know, how it's measured. And then that to me is is more of a commodity fish and we're really striving you know we're really flipping it upside down and going we're we're on we're located on the copper river we you know we have halibut and black cod these are fantastic fish and they're natural resources what if we don't even worry about those high volumes we take every fish we take every bit of it and utilize it as best we can. Mm -hmm. So we cut the flesh into um, six ounce portions. Uh, the halibuts, we take the time to cut the cheek out because the cheeks are fabulous. They taste, it's that sweet, almost sweet, really mild flavor of halibut. And then it's the striated it's texture. The of the fish. Yeah. Yeah. The texture is like a scallop. And since scallops are hard to find, that they can be really iffy on the farming. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I think it's, halibut cheeks can be a really sustainable choice and they're huge I mean they're like as big as the palm of your hand wow it's, they're fabulous so we have the cheeks we have the portions and then the chop is really the the extra so when we cut these gorgeous six ounce portions you're going to have a little bit along the side and we just you know we're right there we're talking to our guys that are cutting and it's like they literally they we call it chop because they just chop up the the little bits of meat that's left over. We yeah. put it in a bag. And if you're going to do fish tacos or a recipe, mm -hmm. it's perfect. It's boneless and skinless. So that's the other thing. You don't have to pull the skin off. They just do it right there with the knife. No bones, no skin. So if you're going to do a recipe, um, soups, tacos, anything like that, it's already Ooh. ready for you. A soup, really yeah, cool. I love that. Um, and then you also do shellfish. So you've got crab and shrimp. You mentioned you partner with, um, you know, with fishermen to do that. Can you mm -hmm. talk a little bit about what, I mean, what is that, is that process completely different than, than fishing for actual fish? Yeah. So um, we, it's been really fun to bring shrimp, shrimp and crab because, you know, I have this huge background in fishing and it's like, it's a, it's a, a departure for us. It's something different. It's wow. Okay. And the reason we um, have it is because we can fish those right there in Prince William Sound. So we're located in, we do Copper River and it's also attached to the Prince William Sound. So it's to us, it's our local waters. So we're not going like, oh yeah, let's get some shrimp like 
from Mexico or even Southeast Alaska, you know, just ordering it up. It, we're doing it because we, we know a guy <laughs> and yeah, yeah. we a few shrimpers and they also are fellow fishermen, but they have shrimp boats. And so they say, Hey, we're going to go out and catch some shrimp. Are you guys interested? And we go, well, how are you going to catch it? And what's this and how are you going to do that? And um, the shrimp, they actually process on deck on the boat. Wow. Yeah, that's a fun experience. Uh, it's beautiful photos. I get photos, and it's like they have the fish, and it's graded, and then you have the blue sky and the mountains in the background. And it's like, oh wow, that's that's. <laughs> I love that stuff. See, I love the story behind the food. That that is like my. That's where I get really excited seeing like how it's done and the process. Um, I have to share with you a, a story about shrimp because I think it again falls into the whole. You know, it's about sustainability. It's also about safety mm-hmm. and the conditions that the the seafood or whatever that product is has been cultivated or grown or raised in. Um, I was at a restaurant with my husband and his family, and um, I always ask, "Is it wild caught?" And if they tell me no, I decline. Right. But I had one shrimp from my brother-in-law. One, one shrimp. And the next day I woke up, I know it's not a shrimp allergy because I've never been allergic to shrimp in my life. And I have eaten shrimp since then. But I woke up and my, I looked like a blowfish. My, my face was like twice the size. If I showed you pictures, you'd be like, what? I had hives all over my body everywhere and just I blew up and uh went to the doc went to the emergency room actually they put me on a course of steroids and um I called the restaurant to find out what I had eaten because you know it was a nice restaurant and initially they told me it was from a local purveyor that is very high quality and I was like there is no way you got the shrimp from there I know their product there's no way Uh and uh Sure enough, did some more digging and they called me back and they said, it's farm raised shrimp from India. Oh. I just about like, like I almost lost it. I was like, how can a restaurant be so irresponsible and have this crap product and, and not an inexpensive restaurant, mind you, um, and be offering it to their customers. And I, just, I think I got toxicity from it. Like just how dirty is that shrimp? Oh, you know? Yeah. Um, so this is why I'm so passionate about the wild caught versus the farm raised is ultimately it's eating what nature intended it to. It's, it's living in circulated water, not this trapped tank where God only knows if it's being filtered. You know, studies that I've read show that, salmon that's farm raised 90 to 95 percent lice contamination Mm -hmm. um so like why would you do that but that was proof positive to me that the product is everything it's like what it's been eating is then going to be a part of you and your your own body and your dna and that is reason enough to go with the good stuff 
Absolutely. I mean, if you think about, you know, shrimp, I, I, it's like a filter. It's actually sucking in the particles and toxins from the water it's in. The bottom feeders. Right, right. Yeah. And, and salmon, same thing. They're eating small animals that are doing the same thing. And so it's like, well, would you put a straw in that water and drink it? Right. <laughs> you know, some of these fish farms, they can be, they can be really different, but it, it you know, across the board, they're in these enclosed areas and the, the lice and contaminants, it's just, it's, it's not the same as free swimming free in this really cold water of Alaska. And that's the same with Alaska. It's like, well, why is it so much better? You know, it's wild, but it's also the temperature of the water. It's cold. It's clear. There's mm -hmm. no city. There aren't these huge cities along the coastlines you know, the Copper River where we're fishing from is, is unforested. It is not mined, it is not populated. And so it, it's these really big, pure places in the ocean. And when you're there, it is incredible. Like I say, you're looking at your glacier, glacier, mountain, you don't see a building in sight. So I think that sometimes people, you know, there's this kind of like, well, you know, farmed is contaminated, but so is, you know, wild. And it's like, go to Alaska, see what it's it looks like. Talking about, yeah, and it is, it's very, a very, very different condition. Um, and so when, you know, when people go to your website, which is cenac.com, and that's S is in Sam, E-N-A-S-E-A.com, which we'll have in the show notes. Um, they can, they, I mean, you have so many fun products. I'm really excited to try some of these other things. I got to try those halibut cheeks because I always love the fish. The fish cheeks, my favorite part. Um, I remember I was at a restaurant with some friends and they served a whole fish and I was carving it for them and I carved the cheeks. One of the guys had to leave the table. He couldn't, he couldn't handle <laughs> the fact that I was digging the cheek out. I was like, come on, dude, man up. Um, but that's some of the most fun things that you can try. Different things too that you have on your website. Can you, what is Lingcod? I've never even heard of Lingcod. Uh, we have several, uh, we have a rockfish, Lingcod, Pacific Cod, and those are actually um, bycatch that we catch when you're longlining halibut and and um, black cod and they're allowed to be caught so that goes back to uh, along with our sustainability practices is also finding a market for these these fish that are also being caught when i growing up you know my dad was a halibut and black cod fisherman we ate a lot of rockfish because it's it's there and it's delicious so those it's it's really the middle of the spectrum if you think of halibut is very mild very low in fat low in protein uh, or low in fat, I'm sorry, and um, very pure tasting. And then you have black cod on the other side of the spectrum, very high in omega-3, silky and rich and buttery. You have your rockfish and your lingcod, snapper, those fish are in the middle. So they, they have, um, they're really nice. They're, to me, it's an everyday fish. You know, they're you're flexible. Gonna... They can go either way. I mean, you can add fat to them if you want or right. like enjoy a simple preparation, really nice, like, with lighter dishes, a lot of citrus, even ceviche, things like that, where they're, you know, acid cured. Um, and so we can, we can sign up and try some different things. Do you have a suggestion for people that are maybe just getting started of what to try? 
Yeah, you know, so we do have, we have a subscription service where you can sign up and you can get that same order every one month, two months or three months and whatever size you want. It's super flexible because we, we just want you to have fish in your freezer because if you have it, you'll eat it, you'll experiment and you'll try things. Um, so I suggest a, a really popular is our sampler. It has our halibut, black cod and salmon portions. So that's our kind of our bread, bread and butter products, you know, the um, most popular. And then another really fun one that we have on there is called seasonal variety. And that's one where you can get salmon, whitefish or combination. And that I love because, you know, just like with the salmon, okay, yes, I want to eat Copper River sockeye in the spring, but I also want to try the coho in the fall. I don't want to change my, my subscription or, you know, it's for customers that don't want to have to worry about it. We will send you what's in season, what's fabulous, what you should try. And same with the whitefish. When we get a when we get a shipment in and we get something fun, we'll get some rockfish, you know, we'll throw it in there. You can try it. So that's for a little bit more adventurous of somebody that wants to just go, I trust you, send me some fish and I'll try it. I like that better, by the way, because what better thing to do than follow the experts and what's in season? What's in season is always going to be the best. So Right. And we throw some chop in there. We try to mix it up on that one. And, and it's, you know, we just try to have some fun with it. Yeah. And um, you also have some fun bundles like um, you have the bagel bundle, you know, if you want to do like smoked salmon and you have the omega three bundle, you've got the party bundle, you've even got the dad bundle, which I love Father's Day coming up, right? Right. We're trying to take a lot of the guesswork out and a lot of our fish goes to dads <laughs> throughout the year at Christmas time, birthdays and holidays. So we're just trying to go, OK, we know we know what goes to dads. Here you go. <laughs> I, I have to speak uh, quietly so my husband doesn't hear. He's going to hear this anyways. But um, I mean, I'm the griller. in the <laughs> I have to give it to him. Sometimes he does because I, I ask him to help me uh, tend to the grill. But I'm I love the grill. Uh, and that's that's my favorite uh, tool to cook seafood in general. So I'm all about it. And I encourage all the ladies out there to not be intimidated by that. We have a whole girl on grill program that we do during the summer where we teach women how to grill. So oh, I love that. I have my own grill now because that's when my husband, well, my husband's gone fishing a lot. And it's like, OK, I got to get this grill thing figured out because I love I oh. love meat. I love grilled fish. I love grilled vegetables. So yeah. I totally agree. And it's grill. Grill is a girl's friend. Yes. I love it. I love it. So um, when people visit the website at cnasea.com, they can also sign up for 10% off and also get your free cookbook. What, what's your, do you have a favorite recipe from your cookbook? Yeah, absolutely. So what I suggest is we have a sign up for our email list. Our VIP email list is is the place to be. Um, you'll get 10% off your first order because we want you to try it. We want you to love it. Um, and you'll also receive a downloadable cookbook. And if that really has a few of our family recipes because we've sold at farmer's markets and in person and everybody asks, okay, but how do you cook the fish? Like, how do you cook it? Cook so it. that has that has a couple of our family recipes in it. So that's um, kind of a starter guide, how to handle it, how to cook it. Um, so get on that list. And then 
I'm that's my most active place and I'm letting people know throughout the year what's available what you want um, as Copper River comes up I'm going to let you know you'll be the first to know when we have the pre-sale we pre-sale it weeks before it's available and it sells out um, especially the king is you know you want to be on the list and you kind of want to know what's going on so that's a fun place to be I highly recommend that and reply to any message because they all go right to me and I read everyone that's awesome um okay so we're at the end of our time and i have one more question that i ask every guest is if you could have one last meal and i'm not saying it's your last last like this is it i'm just saying hypothetically speaking one meal prepared by anybody what would the meal be and who would make it oh gosh i would have the same meal that i had when we had a big wedding with 400 people and we had black cod and this is, I grew up with black cod. That would be, it's fantastic. It's gourmet. It's amazing. It's high in omega-3, silky, buttery. We cook it with um, soy sauce and ginger. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's, the ultimate comfort food because I had it growing up. We served it at our wedding. It's like our family recipe. If my sister comes over to visit, I cook black cod in that same way. So that, that would have to be, um, I, I'm having a hard time not saying Copper River King, but I'll go with black cod for the nostalgia. <laughs> what, would, what would you have it with? Oh, I love um, like roasted Brussels sprouts with it. And then some sort of light salad with um, lemon and something really acidic and light to kind of because it's a really rich meal. So I would have some fabulous light salad because I also love salad. Yeah. Oh, that sounds great. And you would cook it or would someone cook it for you? Oh, uh, let's see. My husband and I have an ongoing battle on who cooks black cod the best. And then my dad also has his theory on how he does it. So I would say with my family, any one of us would be, um, I would I would have black cod from anyone in my family. <laughs> awesome. Well, I, I think you, you probably hanging out in your kitchen would be really fun with all of that lineage and all of the uh, all of the, you know, just love for the industry and love and passion for fresh seafood. So I just thank you so much, Sina. Thank you for being on and enlightening us and helping us to understand just what makes it different and how we can support uh, people like you that are doing it the right way. So I, I have a lot of gratitude for that. I, I don't think growers and cultivators and farmers and uh, catchers in your case are often given enough credit, but uh, this is about elevating that and letting people know the story. So thank you for that. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And and same here, you know, we forget that this is just our regular life. You know, this is really what we just do every day. So it's really special to be able to kind of talk to a larger audience and and talk about it. So thank you. Good. Awesome. Well, everybody check out the show notes and Sina, we will see you soon. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I know you have a lot of choices out there of what to listen to, what to watch, so it means a lot to me that you're here with me. And hey, if you love this content, would you hit the subscribe button? I want you around. I don't want you to just show up for one episode and leave. I want you here, part of the conversation, a seat at this table. And while you're at it, would you share this with your friends and family? And if you take a screenshot and share it on your social media with a hashtag, 
R-F-Y-B-L for Recipes for Your Best Life. I'll make sure to personally give you a shout out and you may just be featured right here on the show. So until next time, here's to living deliciously and being the chef of your best life.